But like Lestat and Louis, like they fucked. Oh, definitely. <laughs> like definitely. definitely. You don't make it centuries without fucking. Honestly. With those faces. Honestly. With those punums. Did you just get Yiddish in here? I did. I did. I did. Oh, you never got old Jew. (laughs) I know. I know. The The vampires bring out the old Jew in me. Welcome to May We Geek Again, a podcast where we cover sci-fi TV shows through the lens of philosophy and dick jokes. My name is Shaheen, and I'm joined by my lovely co-hosts, Joe. Hello. And Bobs. Hey. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, We also uh, love fun uh, fan feedback. (laughs) Fun fan feedback. (laughs) Only fun. Only fun. Yeah. (laughs) So feel free to come uh, yell at us on Twitter. um, uh, Maybe geek again. And also, uh, maybe geek again at gmail.com. So this is episode 62. And we're going to be talking about um, humans. Season 1, episodes 7 and 8. Which are the last two episodes. Woo! Yeah, great to have you here. So we're trying something a little new today uh, with our introductions. Um, we're decided to be professional, ish. finally. Uh, ish. ish. Yeah, ish. maybe. We'll see. So, so we're going to go around uh, real quick and give a brief uh, sentence about ourselves, where we're from, what we do, uh, and one neat fact about yourself. Also, uh, if you're partaking in any mind or body altering substances <laughs> for this pod, feel free to give us some uh, tasting notes so listeners at home can uh, consume along. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I'll start. Should I start? Or is that rude? No, no, you, you should start. start. You should start. Um, Lead the way. Beauty before okay, age, so. Shaheen. <laughs> so my name is Shaheen, like I said, um, I am a doctoral candidate at the University of Pittsburgh. I study philosophy of physics, um, and uh, yeah, I'm from Iran originally, but I've lived most of my adult life in the U.S., and I guess that's one neat fact, I guess, it's, I don't know, what is, <laughs> um, there's nothing neat about me. Um, what about you, Joe? Uh, my name is Joe. I live in Austin, Texas. I'm a web developer. Um, my neat fact is, I mean, uh, my go-to is I, I can say that I have two cats, but that's not particularly exciting. So, you know, we'll, 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 we'll workshop this neat fact thing because suddenly I realized that it put way too much pressure on us. <laughs> well, this um, is the first time we've had to come yeah. up with something, I guess. I know. Like, it might and, get easier. Yeah. yeah. And you've had time to stall and think about it. So you should be better, bubs. But oh, as far God, as my... <laughs> my consumables uh while i was at heb the wonderful grocery chain in texas um i got wooed by this strawberry lager by abita brewing company and so i'm drinking mm-hmm. one of these um i as i feel like we talked about this on the last pod uh i am not good with any sort of tasting notes or being able to pick out flavors of whatever so i will say that there may have been a strawberry somewhere in the brewery? Nearby. <laughs> Nearby. A, maybe the brewmaster was eating a strawberry 
during tasting and then was like, wow, this beer tastes like strawberries. We should say it is a strawberry lager. Um, but I'm not. And then spit some of it back in the. Basically, the like, like he just like loogied <laughs> a little bit of strawberry into the into the cask. And that was, yeah. I guess, it. Um, so it's OK. I just wouldn't I wouldn't call it strawberry. Sounds appetizing. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I got. Bubs. All right. Um, you go, Bubs. Hi, my name is Bubbles. I live in New York City. Um, I do more marketing for corporate America. I have no soul. Um, <laughs> is that your unique fact? <laughs> no, I feel that's like unique fact. that's just my job. <laughs> um, and my unique fact is that I was kicked out of preschool and sent to therapy. <laughs> but I'm fine. Wow. I was tested. <laughs> wow. Do you have any tasting notes? Oh, so I'm having um, Flying Dogs Tropical Bitch. If you'll remember, I had this on a previous pod where um, they were supposed to deliver a different beer, and it was supposed to be like passion fruit and other stuff. Again, you know, essence of passion fruit, maybe. Essence of fucking lies. Yeah, right? Marketing. (laughs) (laughs) I do this every day. Is that your neat fact? (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, I forgot my tasting notes, Um, so... I have ingested my herbal remedies and two bowls of acai. (laughs) (laughs) Acai in Uh, quotes, big air quotes. It is antioxidant though, so yeah. What's the difference? (laughs) Antioxidant air quotes too. So um, we're talking about, um, like I said, humans uh, 107, 108. They are both directed by China Muyang and written by Sam Vincent and Jonathan Brackley. Which I would like to give a shout out to those two uh, showrunners. Um, I harass them on Twitter and they follow us now. I don't yes. know if they've listened to the podcast or will listen to the podcast, but they were lovely enough to give a follow and retweet one of our one of our podcasts. Uh, Thank you so much. Yeah. So thanks, guys. And if you do Runner. listen um, and hate everything we say, please feel free to slide into the DMs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. we'll take Luckily, feedback. Luckily, we're pretty positive about the show. What's that? Um, so luckily we're pretty positive yeah. about yeah, this Yeah, I feel show like this is the most positive we've ever been about any show. <laughs> yeah, like we barely have anything <laughs> bad to say. Um, I mean, that's kind of shocking coming from me. Okay. Um, all right, so let's get to overall takes. Okay. Um, Bubs, you want to go first? Um, sure. Um, I think that, you know how I've been struggling with, I felt um, the whole anthropomorphizing of um, robots or artificial intelligence um, this season. But I really, I feel like the season finale really took me out of that and I was able to just kind of empathize with all um, the characters in a way that was just like really nice and I just got to enjoy the story. So I think that it was just very well constructed and the pacing was really good. Um, So I think that this was a really strong end to the season overall. Yeah. Were you able to um, sympathize with them more because of the whole sequence with, like, Max, uh, s- saving Max and stuff? Yes. Do you think that was a major? Um, I think that there was a lot going on. Um, so I think, I think it was the family, you know, it was the family dynamic between the synths that mm-hmm. really mirrored the family dynamics between our human family. Um in a way that yeah i was able to just kind of sit back and enjoy it Mm -hmm. so i think that's what it was yeah how about you joe 
Um, yeah, I I think that I liked the previous two episodes perhaps a little bit more than than this, but I think as far as setting up for the next season, I feel like what this show does really well actually is sort of telegraphs what the big questions that they're going to be ans- like asking and answering like over the whole course of the entire show. Um, because even even right now, these two episodes, they they talk a lot about um, like uh, propagation of their species, um, which is funny considering where we get to at the very end of season three with with Maddie and Leo. We should, you know, we should mm-hmm. add a note uh, at the beginning that we are going to spoil everything. Um, maybe you can splice one of those in in part of the intro and be like, and by the way, this is a podcast that you should watch the whole show. Finish the whole show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So uh, I, I really liked that. Um, I, I, there were just some great moments. Like I was, you know, sobbing with fucking Odie and George and and Niska. Um, yeah, I don't know. For for a show to make me like have feels, it's it's a testament to the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like this is like uh, after the hundred, the only show that uh, made me actually like weep like a fucking. Anyway. <laughs> so... Um. So yeah, my overall take is again, I feel like like I said this before, um the story moves fast and the characters evolve fast, um you know, in their aims and alliances and their mentality or whatever or what they believe or who they help or whatever. But it all feels somehow natural and believable. Um you know, like when they the characters sometimes make u-turns it seems or like they change their mind or whatever like we have with karen um or we have with laura or joe um but it, it doesn't feel contrived to me it feels like yeah i can see how this person would have may have changed their mind at this one because i guess like there are seeds of it from before that they were already kind of conflicted i mean the characters are all complex and they're conflicted so i guess you're not surprised i think maybe karen's redemption might have been the weakest point um but it was still kind of fine mm-hmm. so <laughs> all right should we get into the different storylines yeah yeah so let's do let's um uphold the tradition of going through the smaller ones first um let's do uh, evil scientist uh evil scientist plus karen plus test subjects i guess because like there's stuff with leo you know, Leo and Karen, I guess we can talk about that in this section as well. Okay. Um, when they're, you know, when they're taken prisoner. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, the evil scientist is taking all of them prisoner, doing experiments on them. Uh, and he wants to get the consciousness code. And I was I was confused a little bit about this because he gets an incomplete consciousness code, but he still manages to use it to give consciousness to Fred. Wait, are we talking or Fred Leo? Fred already had consciousness. Leo so, or Hob? Hob, yeah. Sorry, I was because they seemed like he thought he had the complete code. I thought what was funny when they said check the code for missing data. That's hilarious. <laughs> I guess it should be more hilarious to you, Joe, as a, um, <laughs> as a programmer. Um, what the fuck is a missing data? Like, is if it's an incomplete code, like you, like a data set? Yeah, no, unless like you if run you're it. Referencing and then the a... data set, like so, when you write like an HTML page and you're like, uh, this part is Java or bootstrap or whatever and you're referring to like a different um 
what would it be called? <laughs> I, I like you explaining my job, bubs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why am I doing this? Oh, my God. Make it so- Continue. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think I think that this fall, like, that, that anytime they talk about, like, computery stuff, it also often falls under the Schmeyance headline. Hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and then plus also, like, visualizing it as, like, wavy lines and whatnot, like, just a root. Just programming. Just programming the code to do wavy lines is like several days worth of work to begin with. Um, <laughs> Did you see the wavy lines looked like a tree? Again, yes. things like that would have taken a long time to yeah. actually program. I kind of wish it was like a, a, a marijuana leaf. <laughs> anyway. I'm sure you did. Um, I did like um, the part... Uh, I think... I can't remember. Was it... Um, I, I forgot to write down who wrote this um, or who said it, but uh, people don't want to be served. They want to be loved. I think it was Hobb, yeah, right? Hop. Yeah. Um, which, like, isn't... Wouldn't an obedient conscious synth be a slave like and that's something that that they actually do address and bring up and like actually say that is slavery but like that's slavery yeah well i mean it's to assume that all slaves love you which i think is a bad assumption um it didn't seem like fred loved and loved him though um it seemed like so it was weird because he said that he'll be obedient to me but it's but then he also said he won't like it and he clearly didn't like it. So these slaves, if you want to call them that, mm-hmm. they're always going to be complaining and like, you know, they can say whatever they want, apparently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can't... Do whatever they, they want. Yeah, they can't do whatever they well, want. Well, but I, I wonder if like, um, if Fred is different because that's not what he was to begin with. So like his baseline is is different. So if you take a, a wiped synth... And you give them these emotional capacities. Um, but like not, I don't know. Not, no, like, I don't know. I don't know what it would be like. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk, should we talk about this? Hobbes' invention from a philosophical standpoint? Uh, sure, Shaheen. <laughs> Wait, did you finish your point? Uh, no, I mean that—that that was all I had. The—the—the the, the only other thing is, I guess, a little bit more uh, a, a qualia discussion between Leo and Karen, but we can talk about that later. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, so Hobbes' invention is very interesting to me, and and I hope that if everything I've been saying so far um, has meant anything to you guys, that you. We're also tickled by this. Um, so in terms of the two things that we defined, qualia and agency, um, right? That we said that's what they usually, when they, or I would claim almost always when they say consciousness on the show, they mean these two things, qualia and agency. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of that little philosophy quiz, <laughs> um, what is Hobbes, in, how do you describe Hobbes' invention? Or what is this, what is he suggesting that we do is this a question yeah i mean quiz (laughs) it seems in terms of quality and agency how would you describe this invention it seems like what he wants to do is to give them qualia to give them this Mm -hmm. feeling but then also be a sick fuck and take away their agency yeah like exactly that's kind of super (laughs) like and it goes back to the line you know that i was talking about which people don't want to be served they want to be loved and it's like Okay, like, I feel like there's a disconnect. He's saying that he yeah. can program them to love and emote and stuff, but, like, 
if you have a slave, they're going to pretend to do all that stuff so you don't, like, hurt them or anything like that. But, like, they won't actually love you. Like, yeah. but it, these aren't doing this out of fear. These robots. No, I, supposed to no, I mean, they're fear. removing the agency. Isn't like, any like sort of ability a, to deny them. A yeah. pet? <laughs> <laughs> like, when I hug my cats and they're like, I don't want this. Yeah. And you're like, too bad. Yeah. And the cat is conscious, well, relatively, and has agency, <laughs> and I remove that agency because I'm going to pet the cat. I decide what Bonsai's hair looks like. <laughs> I decide when he poops. I mean, isn't this interesting? Um, I mean, for, for the first reason it's interesting to me is that it seems like the operative premise of the show so far has always been that agency and qualia come together that they they appear together like whatever code elsa wrote mm-hmm. uh, gives them this thing that's called consciousness and it seems to involve both of them because when they obtain it uh they become at the same time they become uh suddenly they say that they say things like i can think and feel or you know Stuff like that, which is referring to the qualia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also say things like, now I can make my own decisions, and you know, which is referring to the agency. So they always come together. And it was never explained why that should be the case. Um, I mean, if, if it can come apart in this way, the hub, the hub is taking it apart. If you can give it qualia but take away the agency, um, then... Could it also be the other way around? Could you have something that has agency, uh, namely it's it's a so it's a person in that you know it's making its own decisions. Um, it's not quote unquote programmed in the sense that we were talking about last time, um, but has no qualia that's like completely blank up there. There's nothing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that's basically what they call a philosophical zombie. Um, a what? A philosophical zombie. Uh huh. Yeah, it's the idea that as a person who's indistinguishable from a, a regular conscious person, but they have no qualia. Huh. So they do everything. So when you talk to them, they process that data and they respond like a person would. Um, and they do things that appear to be like what a person would do. They look like they're making even their own decisions mm-hmm. and everything. None of that contradicts them having no qualia. Mm-hmm. They could still be doing be doing all of that. They could be like screaming when when you you know needle them or whatever, or like if they burn themselves or whatever. And it all seems like everything this that is this fucking knows. dark, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I brought this up before. Um, yeah, and you can kind of extrapolate this because there are sometimes diseases where yeah. some of your qualia is shut down. Yeah. And you can imagine, but your functions are still operating. So like the example we made last time with blind sight, which is a really strange disease where the person reports having no qualia, reports seeing, quote, seeing nothing, but they still respond to the, to visual stimuli in their environment. Um, Like they can tell obstacles and whatever, and they don't bump into shit. So that's, now you can imagine like, what if you, you keep doing that, you know, take away every qualia but keep the function um well what at the end you'll have the philosophical zombie but is that the right so but the question is that even possible is one question the first question to ask is is that even possible and i think a functionalist would have to say no it's not whatever it is that you're calling consciousness that 
entirely boils down to the functions. So whatever you're calling qualia must somehow come with it as sort of like a free, you know, <laughs> freebie. Um, it is. It can't be that one is there without the other. But anyway, sorry. What did you say, Bobs? <laughs> no. Or were you I'm, gonna say something? <laughs> I I feel like I was, and now I'm just like trying to like answer your question. Well, so I think I think what we get into with in terms of especially what Hob is trying to do, um, mm. is that because these machines can be if we if we accept the premise that. Elster was able to program actual real emotions for them, right? Like we accept that mm-hmm. like that is a real thing as 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 Mia yeah. said that she was she was made to love Leo. Like that is in her yeah. programming. If we accept that what she feels for him is the same love that humans like you know, hu- homo sapiens actually feel like if we if we say that they are the same somehow whether Mm -hmm. or not you know through programming through hormones through whatever like if we accept that they are the same so we're suspending Mm -hmm. like all the science yeah yeah just try and smash the shit out of that then wait wait wait. why are we suspending is this like scientific well are we gonna talk about oxytocin are we gonna like 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 the the can't you program things that that produce the same effect well, that's that's what we're saying. Substrate? Like, if if, if they yeah. can do that, if if we accept yeah. the premise that love can be programmed, um, right. then I think I think it answers it. It solves your issue in the sense that okay, they could theoretically be programmed to love their owners. Um, they would mm-hmm. feel that love, but I wonder how that would sort of work itself out in their quote unquote brains in knowing that. Like, would they not know that they didn't have any agency? Like, I, I feel like they would almost mm-hmm. be like how we read um, Odie, for example. Even though we know that Odie doesn't actually love, he is not a conscious synth, but the way that, like, they frame him and and George's interactions, we, we can very easily see that maybe he's just a simple guy who loves George. Um but I do think that, like, it sort of gets into this weird circular logic of, like, okay, so you've programmed love, but they don't have any agency, so is what they're actually feeling love, but if you can program that, then would they even want to have agency? It's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, well, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I said this while drawing co- circles on my, <laughs> on my keyboard rest, I was like, <laughs> this circle and then this circle <laughs> are they concentric circles are they like do they produce love are you writing down the five languages of love yeah, just love just edge to a heart in the middle um <laughs> but so then also this is very interesting it's this actually connects to karen's situation which you know we'll also talk about with you know her core core programming um preventing her from uh killing herself yeah mm-hmm. because um, these are like the analogs of the asimov block but so, I mean, this brings up an interesting distinction. It's one thing to say, I programmed, I programmed this robot to love me. Um, right? Like, could they then fall out of love? Like, is the programming well, so, so Right, rigid? so they had no agency in far, as far as being in love with you. They had no choice in that, which you could argue no one ever has a choice in that. You're so romantic. <laughs> it just happens. It just happens. But so, um, but yeah, but so, but then after that, they have agency to do whatever they want. That's one way it could be, right? So like, you're, they're programmed to love you. They can't really fall out of love with you. But 
Um, but they can, they, beyond that, it's up to them what they want to do. Um, and so, of course, naturally, if someone who loves you, they're going to do things that are pleasant, pleasant to you and they're not going to hurt you. But that's but they're making those choices genuinely. They're making genuine choices. Um, but another, but that actually doesn't seem to be what Hobb is doing. It seems like what he's doing is he's taken away their agency in a much more fundamental way. Like they, their day-to-day decisions, like every decision that they want to make is kind of not really up to them anymore. Um, like, you know, he was trying to move his hands and he couldn't, you know, Fred was, he was like, move your hands and he couldn't even do it, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's different from, oh, I love you. So no, I'm not going to like, uh, choke you to death. Um, that's different from, oh, I can't even move my hand. I want to choke you to death, but I can't. Um, right. So that the, it seems like he's taking away their agency, like, in a much more microscopic way, like completely just, they have really have very little control. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's, I think that's a distinction to make. And, and so to go, so going back to what you were saying, Joe, uh, if you program love into them, right. And like Mia says, I was programmed to love Leo. So she has really no choice. Is that real love? Like that's something we can talk about too. But and beyond that, Mia Mia can do whatever she wants. Yeah, right? but like, and if if you're saying, you know, then then that really gets into, as you just mentioned, whether or not you can even choose to love. Because if we say that that Mia is supposed yes. to be like a surrogate mother for Leo, and the majority of of let's say let's say women mothers, like when you have a baby, all of these like hormones are released to bond you to that baby. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, even mostly. for the fathers, even for the fathers, even. To a different extent, but yeah, absolutely. But you know, if we're talking about Mia in the comparison, then then mother motherhood works. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not to say that all women feel this. Not to say that you know whatever. Like we're just saying, you know, majority of of scientific research has you know shown that. The, so is is that even a choice? If we're talking about programming, yeah. that's that's you're saying you're not saying I want to love this baby. Um, even though, yes, you probably would. I guess if you have the baby, I don't know. I'm not a maternal <laughs> person, but you know what I mean. Like I, you know, it's not that. I do or do not want to love this baby. It's evolution has made it so that it is physically impossible for me not to. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. is that programming? Is that agency? Are we ta- like, are the yeah. hormones taking away your agency or is it just kind of this other, this like third box that we put stuff into where it's just like, mm, that's just how yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it depends on what you mean by agency too. <laughs> God right? damn it. Like, because, like, from someone, like, from the point of view of someone like Bob's, um, right, there's, like, a hard determinist. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, there's no, that's not even a thing, right? So, um, right? Is that right, Bob's? (laughs) So, like, there's no, it's not like the love can, like, you never have agency anyways. Like, what do you mean by that, right? I mean, last time we talked about it and we came sort of to the conclusion that I don't think it's not that we don't have agency. It's like the meaning of agency is different than what I guess you would Uh mean if you're not a hard determinant or whatever it is. Okay. What is the meaning of agency then? So, I mean, when people say agency, like, you can choose... Like right. you don't believe in the libertarian. So I think there's a difference. There's a difference okay. between like what the individual is bringing to the table versus what the situation is bringing to the table, and so um, a person um, not having external forces um, 
pressing on how they individually would face the situation is agency. How they come um how they come by deciding how they're going to react to that situation is completely determined by s- billions of factors. Right. But the problem is what you just described. Everything you said is great. But it's Thank not you. <laughs> um, it's not let's just stop enough. the podcast right here let's uh, wrap it up uh. <laughs> um, it's just not specific enough it seems to me because um, sure. it includes you could both s- conscious and unconscious sins they both yes, can like a what Roomba. you describe is basically self actuating <laughs> like the, the ability to move yourself and in- initiate action from inside without something moving you yes but if that were agency, then Anita would be as as agent as much of an agent as Mia. So, uh, um, last time when we talked about this, we said it's just you. You said that it's just more complex. The one that you want to call an agent is well, the one that's just very complex and like, unpredictable to a normal. Anita human. is more <laughs> of a puppet. You know, she's part of a corporation. They sell her. She has software installed that is set to do specific things. And like, yes, we could um, distill a human down to having software that does a specific thing. Totally. But the difference is we don't we don't come from a manufacturing plant that decided what these things are that we're going to do. You know, ours is more complex. It took well, our manufacturing of years plant to is get nature. Here. Yes, exactly. It's nature. It is yeah. exactly. But it's not like. It's different to have, and like we're not aware of all the things that happened that led to the moment we are now, um, mm-hmm. and all the things that make up our genetics, our personal, like even everything that we've um, endured as a person throughout our lives. We're not aware of every little thing and how it affected us, um, mm-hmm. and um, versus a computer is <laughs> a Roomba. You know, it has its programming. It, it you know, it, it learns what your room is, but it really only has a few things that it's going to do. I mean, maybe that's a bad example. Going back to Anita, you know, she has <laughs> yeah, like a set. A um, she has a set of things that she does. She's going to iron. She's going to clean. She's going to read to the children. She's going to drive them to school. Um, and these are that's things, all the things that, that were, a human does, though. Yes, you can list everything that a human does. That also, a human does. But the difference is that somebody sat in this um, corporation and wrote up this code so that it would do it. Yeah, I mean, that corporation for you is your parents that wrote your software. But they didn't by, really write you know, it. Fucking you up if they the wrote my software, I would have gone to <laughs> Yale and Harvard Med. No, they didn't write it the way that they wanted because they fucked up. But but there's oh. there's there's different <laughs> elements of control. Your personality is your software, and then that comes from your early experiences in life, or all of your experiences in life. So you have your software that comes from your experiences, and you have your hardware that comes from your genes. Well, so you would say it's, it's all it's the epigenetics same. makes that, that fuzzy. From, epigenetics makes that fuzzy. You know, every sure. fucking time but that's still environment. we decide to do the small storylines first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get stuck in a fucking Because the small story minutes. is always the, the evil scientist, then that's always... 
So, but yeah, I mean, last time we talked about this, it was you said that you, you came to the conclusion that there was complexity that one that Mia is just more complex than yeah. than, than Anita, and so Mia is even though they're both determined and predictable uh, in principle. If I had all the initial conditions of Mia, I would definitely be be able to predict what she's going to do. Mm-hmm. Same for a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't have all that information, mm-hmm. um, and I can't hold it in my head. But um, so if that's all that it means to for someone to be an agent is to be too complex to be predictable, um, then I was wondering then would would Fred Fred's programming is still complex? It just has these blocks written into it. Well, sure, um, and like a, a prisoner is still. A human, but they can't go to the mall. Uh huh. Okay, that refutes everything that I've said. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I? Um, no, sorry. Can I do yeah. my Leo and Karen bit? Yeah. Yes. Does that make you guys sad? No. <laughs> do you want me to be sad? No, I mean this I'll discussion has no end. So just, <laughs> let's move it the fuck along. Um, yeah, we're just gonna revisit this over and over. Okay, so, go ahead. So this was this was totally uh, I, I, when I was watching it, I thought, hey, I think this is Qualia, or at least sort of, um, mm-hmm. where Leo is talking with Karen and he says, uh, "I'm appealing to your humanity," and Karen says. I'm not human, Leo. Humanity yeah. is not a state. It's a quality. Look at Max. He's machine, but he's got more humanity than anyone. Yeah. Which, Aww. like, is very sweet. Yeah, what does he mean by quality? Does he mean qualia? Is it like a feeling? Humanity is a feeling? Yeah, as opposed to quantity. Like, it's... In your head? Yeah, like, humanity is not a state. It's not like an on and off switch. It's just this... I, I think that it is their shorthand term for qualia. Because qualia is the feeling in your head, like pain and pleasure and things like that, or the feeling of seeing something or hearing something. So I guess uh, humanity being not something that can be quantified, but it just is sort of a thing that exists. Couldn't a state also not be quantified? I'm wondering, what is a state and what is a quality? Like, these are very <laughs> technical terms for me. A quality they, makes it seem <laughs> what like What do a, they mean by these? Uh, it's very interesting. These quotes are awesome. That's a what state I do. I sounds not permanent. What up? Sorry, what's not permanent? A state is like a, a uh-huh. mood. Um, I see. Quality, my equality is permanent. Is that Bonsai just sneezing on on the podcast? Yes. <laughs> it sounded <laughs> wet. But sometimes it's like it's not. He's not really sneezing. He does these like um, source. Oh. Yeah. Got it. No, I didn't have treats. You're gonna get that. So, um, uh, were you finished, Bob? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I yeah, it's a very interesting quote. Uh, I don't know how to speculate about this. What they what he means by quality, but it's very. I mean, I think I think in some ways, and here's my issue because I actually am not a huge fan of Max. Um, I think that <laughs> they actually kind of went too far in one direction with him. Like he is. Or at least, I don't know, I don't agree with what Leo is propping up as humanity. Like, he is sort of propping up Max's um, simpleness as, like, being no. the best. No, no, no. I don't, it's not, I don't think he's propping up his simpleness. I think it's... Um, I mean, I mean that in his, like, childlike wonder and always ability he, to, like, to want to empathy. do good. I know, exactly. And I'm just yeah. like... Mm, mm. Um, <laughs> Where did that get you, Max? Where? But, it, but it's like... 
You're stuck in a loop. I don't know. Have you ever, um, I don't know, like walked by a homeless person or something and you, you have like a dollar in your jacket and you're like, oh, I could give that person a dollar. But then you like feel awkward about it and then you don't. You're like, oh no. <laughs> and then you just like feel like a terrible person for the rest of the day. Okay. You... Sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> now so... that everyone knows I'm a terrible person, go on. <laughs> um... I feel like he... This is like what what Max... What Max, Max is the do. one that does something. So <laughs> like every time? Every time, yeah. Um, is that humanity, though? To be just It's not like more human... No. I, humanity is serial killers. Humanity <laughs> is um, children that wipe their snot on other people. Um, I, I think it's just... I like that those two were like lumped in the same <laughs> in your same like <laughs> issues yeah. with humanity serial killers and buggery children yeah i mean <laughs> i have to take public transportation with that, a lot <laughs> <laughs> with that maybe we can move to pete and karen sure um no boogers for karen for no sure. but i have a 90s movie <laughs> reference Ooh. Oh, okay um, I actually have two for this podcast because one of them was one that I should have already used. Um, but we have uh, we have the scene where where Pete is exploring Karen's house and like yeah. he opens up cabinets and everything and like basically like he never noticed that her house was fucking empty, <laughs> like yeah. that her kitchen where human people would need to make food and eat food obviously it's empty she doesn't need that and it totally reminded me of uh, a line from uh, Interview with a Vampire. Where Lestat and uh, Louis are sitting at their table. I think it's still the 1700s at this point. Uh And uh, they're having this whole discussion because uh, Louis is actually, he's still having big issues with with killing and eating people. Um, He's still (laughs) uh, not not doing a great job getting his vitamins. And... um, and he says, uh, they're talking about the slaves uh, that that Louis owns, um, sort of, uh, you know... They they know that something is is not fucking right with these two dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say I want to say it's Louis. Louis says uh, they watch us dine on empty plates and drink from empty glasses. That totally reminded me of of Pete looking around this kitchen and not finding a fucking thing. Um, they don't, you know. She obviously didn't really eat off empty plates and drink from empty glasses but in, in some ways she kind of did especially like when she's faking it you know she doesn't even actually eat them she puts them in a bag and then dumps her stomach condom uh into the trash can um yeah still gross still gross um but, but with all that said i actually really <laughs> like the way that the show ended with like pete and karen actually being really sweet yeah yeah i love them like i like that pete had his tantrum i ship them hard which was reasonable you ship them hard yeah. Oh, we'll have to look for Vic for you. I bet you'll have to write your What own. is their ship name? Perrin? Perrin? Yeah. Yeah, Perrin. Hashtag Perrin. Perrin. <laughs> it ended up, yeah, being really sweet. And, like, Pete was allowed to be a human freaking out about this. Um, yeah, and then he came to his senses. Yeah, and then he was and like, all right, well. What am I freaking out about? All right. No. I appreciated that. It's like that dad who realized the son is gay and he's like, all right, well, it's not a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Karen Karen is Pete's gay son. <laughs> yeah, like freak out for a second. I was like, oh. Um, oh, you have like real questions. Not really. I don't really have much. I just wish they took out all the Tom bullshit in favor of some of the Pete sequences that they took out. Because there were other cutscenes from deleted scenes from this one with Pete. Oh, really? They weren't that major, but he was just doing his detective work and figuring out who Karen is. Yeah, I really 
didn't see the point of the whole Tom shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> it, I mean, I take it like the, the, there are different ideas in the writer's room and some of them get make it to the final, you know, product and some of them don't. And, you know, so. I don't even remember who Tom is. Exactly. <laughs> Tom is uh, Laura's, uh, brother Laura's, she... Laura's brother that oh, she killed. Oh, right, 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 right. I wasn't. <sighs> and then kept all of that from her husband for God only knows how many years. <laughs> yeah, I I did have trouble. Yeah, I don't get it really. That's kind of like that's probably my top beef with this entire show was just being yeah. like, why there was no point to this. Yeah, I think they wanted to like keep the family theme going, mm-hmm. but it was just a little too detached from the rest of the story to be. I, to I think what would have been better was that um, they all thought the grandmother was dead. That's more relatable, um, and. But they knew about the Tom part of it. Um, yeah. And so it was more that, like, knowing that her mother blamed her so much and that she would never get of, that closure. Yeah. Except it turns out grandma's still alive. She's still alive. Yeah. Bonsai, yeah. stop. All right. Well, um, I think we should move on. Okay. <laughs> Do you get angry? <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want to say, real quick, last thing. Uh, in some of these scenes, it seems like Karen's tearing up. Did you guys feel that? Uh, yeah, I definitely saw that. Like, yeah. Yeah, and and that's not it. Well, actually, I mean, she's a synth, so, so she, you might be like, wait, wait a minute, she shouldn't be tearing up. Mm-hmm. But we find out in season three, right, that somehow Elster built this into her. She can actually cry. She's the yeah. one, the one synth that can cry. That we have a synth who can cry and a synth who can dream. And this is the Aww. most depressed one too. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like fucking Karen, like what. I like, guess let's, I have, yeah, with that segue, let's move on to Niska and George and Odie and Karen. Oh, suicidal of Karen. Sobbing, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, suicidal Karen saying consciousness can only bring us suffering. Yeah. Remember you and I had this conversation about Buddhism, where this is like Buddhist philosophy, like that life is fundamentally suffering. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, Buddhism, so chill. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a If you accept chill. the suffering. Not- <laughs> yeah. But, like, Karen shows so much emotion. Mm-hmm. Like, even without the tearing, like, she just, she feels more, it seems. Well, her and Niska are, are angsty betches. Yes. Oh, I my God. I guess it's Niska's because anger so always seems like a, a stronger emotion, maybe. Maybe. They're always angry, her and Niska. <laughs> Niska's just but over it's... humanity's bullshit. <laughs> but, no, both of them, both of them dealt with some form of rejection so like for yeah um what's her face um she yeah she you know she came in as probably programmed as like this maternal person who's gonna love all the kids quote unquote and she was immediately kicked out like so she never got to express that love like what she was built for beatrice's memories that would, that would make question. it even even more terrible. I don't think so, because I think that... <laughs> or, like, Beatrice's mental illness. Like, what... Yeah. 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 She's the, um, yeah. But, like, Niska, she was rejected that her father didn't see her as the child he made her to be. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he had sex with her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Can I, can I... I do the lines that I pulled out? 
Yeah. Sure. I just want to say, I, I, I got to say, I'm kind of annoyed by Niska a little bit at this point. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess what my criteria on a lot of times when I'm judging a character in a movie or a show is how would I feel if this person were my friend? And I feel like with Niska, I would just be like, dude, just chill the fuck out. Oh, like, totally. Yeah. Which I so- think is Astrid's purpose. <laughs> like, we definitely have Astrid, like, in season two being, like, like calling her out on how intense she is. Yeah. And so I would be like, I would, that's not a pleasant person. I wouldn't want to be around her. He's <laughs> like, dude, go, go away and chill the fuck out and then come back. Like, you're annoying. <laughs> go smoke a bowl. Ponder <laughs> life. Yeah. I do not have time for your tense bullshit. Just some herbal remedies. Okay. Exactly. Do your quotes. Okay. So, um, I already did the consciousness one. Um, so, so when, when we're seeing sort of this confrontation between Karen and George and Niska, and sort of Niska obviously wants to wake up and make more sense, um, you know, conscious and Karen mm-hmm. can only see suffering in that. Um, Karen says, uh, what she wants threatens the future of humanity, which is a perfectly valid way of looking at it. But then George replies, maybe she is the future of humanity. The pain you feel isn't because of what you are. It's because of the life you had, but mm-hmm. life can change. You can become better. Like, yeah. I think that that totally gets back into what we're talking about, how like your own memories and experiences shape who you are. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. And then, and, and, then also- and then George gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, t- it also ties to what Leo says to her. Uh, to Karen, where where he says, um, "You only you only think that um, there's there can never be a good relationship with humans because you you're looking at your own life. You don't realize mm-hmm. you you're talking about yourself." Yeah, and, and this kind of reminded me of attachment theory, where you know they say that like the patterns of attachment that you form, like secure or avoidant or anxious, ambivalent, disorganized patterns of attachment. Um, that you'd form like around like age one early on they say that they keep repeating in your life you do the same thing with your friends with your romantic partners you fall into the same patterns of dynamics of relationships whether it's avoidant or ambivalent or whatever um, and you sometimes even wonder why does this keep happening to me or why do I keep dating the same person uh, and it's because you see the whole world from that perspective um, of what your parents did to you you that's all you know about how people behave. So if they abandon you, then you feel like everyone abandons, everyone's going to abandon you. And then that becomes mm-hmm. self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I thought that was. Yeah. I, I sort of love that the dialogue on this show would in any other sort of show be sort of like, it would take you out of the moment and be like, wow, that's really sort of fourth wall and preachy. Um, Mm. (laughs) except because it's sort of, especially George, who has this sort of like fatherly patience, like educating, you know, these relatively young synths, you know what I mean? Mm. Like they don't even have a lifetime (laughs) of experience. Um, it's not, it's not weird and out of, you know, takes you out of the show. It's like just really like beautiful dialogue. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And then, and then George gets shot. Speaking of George getting shot. And how sad I am about it still. And how I cried at breakfast watching George say, or watching Odie say, you have died, George. I was like, oh, this is fine. I'm just crying into my cup of coffee. Well, I mean, I honestly, it wasn't, the Odie part wasn't the part that killed me. Was it when Niska did the head touch? Yes. 
Because it's like she finally found the father she deserved. Oh, and she finally well, had that, that all over again. And it was asshole. ripped from her. <laughs> like, just as she found it. Like, so it just, like, hmm. I, I saw, like, for a second I saw, like, what her life could be. Like, you know, the he, George, George, wouldn't have that, like, um that nurse, or maybe he would have the nurse person, but, like, Niska would come play, like, chess with him and, like, hmm. other stuff. And, like, you Being know. Her moral compass. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, that's interesting. I didn't see it that way. The father that she never had. I mean, you have to remember with, with these He sins, saw her. Yeah, they have to remember that they, they're they kids. Like, like mm-hmm. George is like, you're, you're nine. Well, he it's, says that too. Yeah, it's literally true. Like, they're formative experiences. The experiences that formed, like I said, their attachment patterns, how they see the world and how they um, learn to behave. Um, they're all stuff that happened right after elster created them mm-hmm. um and you know so like we know what that was for niska so you have to imagine like that was a child mm-hmm. and or like for karen is like she was born and then she was kicked out like the, her first the first day of her life <laughs> she was kicked out of the house so like that's not even like a, an adult woman being kicked out it's like your consciousness just opened and you're like, people are yelling at you and telling you to get the fuck out. And, and now you're on your own. It's like, what happened? You're, you're, you know, like that scene mm-hmm. from Solaris. Is that a 90s movie? I, I've never even heard of Solaris. it. Solaris. You've never heard of Solaris? No, uh-uh. I think I saw it. Whoa, dude, you should. 97. Oh, wow. 71. <laughs> 71. We have a 70s movie reference today. <laughs> Wait, no, but isn't there a remake? Wait. Oh, there was oh. a 2002. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, with George Clooney. Interesting. Yeah. Dude, Solaris Tell is beautiful. <laughs> Solaris is this movie about, it's all about identity, personal identity. And yeah, and it's it's amazing. I don't want to spoil too much, but there is, um, yeah, so I, don't, so I won't say that because you guys haven't seen it. <laughs> is it like Sunshine? Well, according to uh, IndieWire, Why Solaris is Steven Soderbergh's uh, most underrated film. So maybe Ooh. I should check it out. The poster yeah. looks sexy. You should I definitely know. check it out. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's really it's really good from a sci-fi standpoint too. But um, but it's also very philosophical. But there's a scene where this reminded me of like the first moment of your life is like Karen's first moment of life. It was that. So anyway, it's always. I had a question about George getting shot, though. Okay. Did so? What exactly happened? Did he lean into the gun, and it just went off, or did Karen shoot him because she was spooked for a second? I think she was. Did she shoot him because she wanted to shoot him? What happened? No, I think she was spooked, and like he, maybe she like kind of, kind of didn't decide to shoot Niska, but clearly George like leaned in to try to like put himself in between. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of interesting if we are willing to accept that Niska was spooked, or not Niska, um, that Karen was spooked, mm-hmm. uh, only because like she's a fucking synth. <laughs> like, can they be surprised and shocked? Like, aren't they receiving so much more data all the time than we are? Like, I just thought that, like, yeah. it's interesting if she could be surprised. Because I think that in a lot of ways, she, despite what Leo says, she is possibly the most, quote unquote, human among uh-huh. them. Like, I think that she feels more than they do. 
So, I mean, being surprised or being spooked is just that she didn't predict it. That's the main component of it, right? So you're saying, wouldn't like a really good robot be able to predict that this is going to happen? Or just that, like... Because it seemed like, what did Niska say? Niska said something, and then George started, like, moving towards Karen. So it seemed like, for a second, she thought, like, whoa, maybe he's coming to grab the gun, or... But, like, she should know that she's stronger than some old man. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. I think it was just an unfortunate... Yeah, I also wasn't sure. Maybe it just went off. Like, she had her finger on the trigger, and I don't know. Poor trigger discipline, Karen. (laughs) She, She seemed... Um, upset about it, but not too upset. <laughs> like she was kind of like, know. "Oh, I shit, was upset. I don't want to do that." And then she's like, "All right, whatever, moving on." <laughs> Oopsie doodle. <laughs> I got, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So sad about sad about George dying. I think we can all agree. Uh, yes. I like how Niska has like a surgery program installed, though. Right. Like Being like, I could program. fix this, but I don't have the right equipment. She has access to YouTube where you can learn how to do anything. She downloads the, the surgery program. But she did like the little head touch with George. Like she treated him like one of her people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was sweet. Fucking Niska, man. Feels. <laughs> All right, I got nothing else. Uh, okay. Neither do I. Bobs? Cool. I'm good. Oh, you got nothing for this section? Uh, I had stuff. I think we mostly... Um, yeah, we talked about the flashback. Karen's flashback was horrifying. Yeah, it was horrifying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. I guess like I, I sort of like touched about this between um, Karen and Niska, but also just um, what we know that Odie ends up doing when he does get consciousness is he he gives up mm. on it, and I think it's kind of like you know how Karen never wait in season two or three or whatever three yeah three, three. yeah. Um, how Karen never really gets to fulfill her directive as given mm-hmm. to her by her creator. Um, Odie also can't, you know, fulfill his directive as given yeah. by um, the life that he led. Um, and so both of them um, have so trouble, his... you know, have deep depression because they can't, yeah. they're unfulfilled. And so, so I thought that was interesting. A synth gets depressed when they direct yeah. it, when they can't fulfill their directive. Which is very human. I know that sounds like yeah. not human, but it's actually, it's it's very human. I you mean, know, you see more dep- depression in um, first world countries, I believe. Uh-huh. It's, it's kind of very cultural sometimes. But I mean, depression is kind of like a um, deep-seated and very painful and prolonged frustration. So, um, if... So it makes sense that, like, if you're frustrated, so if a robot can feel frustrated because they can't follow their directive, mm-hmm. um, then that makes sense. Over time, they'll be depressed. If you're, like, long-term frustrated, you'd be depressed at some point, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. So, um, I mean, you have to have the genes, too, though. I don't know. <laughs> um, so if we have nothing else about this, um, maybe we can take a break and then uh, do the family part. Sure. Okay. Cool. Um, cool. Ten minutes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the family, um, Joe and Laura and the gang. And the gang. 
I like that Bubs and I both had the note about Laura coming downstairs and autopiloting, grabbing two mugs. Yeah. And, and then putting one back. She's so awkward about it. I didn't notice. <laughs> but, I didn't notice. But that. it was so sweet. Uh-huh. Because like she's about to like have a little chat with her gal pal and then was like, oh wait, my <laughs> yeah. gal pal is a robot. <laughs> she doesn't drink tea. <laughs> she does not drink tea. Not this and then time. They had a she hug. just sips. <laughs> and then they had a hug. Like ha- like you talk about how quickly the show moves, Shaheen. Like mm. we've gone from Laura being like pissed and threatened by Anita yeah. to like Having like a really sweet, heartfelt hug with Mia. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, she's a better person than I am. If my oh, for sure. husband had fucked a robot, I would have burned that robot to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so, for you, the robot would be cheating. Um. Oh yeah, that's true. Um. I mean, if she was sentient, then it's cheating, I guess. But Anita wasn't. No, yeah, I guess. Well, no, I, I'm saying in in this theoretical world where I have a husband, uh huh, and he <laughs> fucked a sentient robot, uh huh, I would burn the robot to the ground. <laughs> How is it the robot's fault? It's not. I didn't say any of this was <laughs> rational. <laughs> um, Just you like wouldn't be friends with birth- the robot. Is the point? Is it- <laughs> what? You wouldn't be friends with the robot. Is your point. I would not be friends with the robot. You would not possibly. <laughs> not. I mean, not immediately. Maybe like twenty years from then. Like maybe. Did you also notice like, how Laura forgot how to make coffee? Right. <laughs> I like Which how I like all everything around that coffee thing. I mean, I didn't notice what you guys were picking up on with her, like the cup, extra cup. I noticed Mia. Uh, kind of like lean to get the coffee pot and go make coffee, and because that's just the, she's the, you know the, that's her like, job. habit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and Laura was like, "No, that's fine. Like you're not, you know." And then Laura was like, "Fuck, how do I do this?" <laughs> yeah, and then she she doesn't remember. That's fine. Um, yeah. But so um, with I guess like them ta- with the, them talking about Joe. The kids fucking hate Joe. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and Joe making his way back into the family with all the like little things here and there, helping with the sins and like um, sort of helping with the sins. Yeah, yeah, playing football and saying things like that and not messing up and. I like that the the conversation between Mia telling Joe that she was there the whole time, mm-hmm. um, and that he started to hate himself before they even finished. Yeah. Um, I thought, like, I I love, like, I thought that that was great. Like, it shows Mia has so much compassion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, an empathy, like, to know that she didn't want that, and that, like. I don't know exactly, I mean, because Niska has her own sort of issues with, like, sex with humans, understandably, and I kind of wonder how Mia feels about the whole thing. But, like, she kind of gave Joe, not a pass, but, like... Yeah. No, no, no. I meant to actually write that down, but I ran out of time. Um, But, (laughs) yeah, no, I had the same feeling that she... um, I was like, oh, this goes back to, like, what I meant, where it's, like, rape to them is different per rope like i mean sure it's the same per human but i feel like it's mostly always a horrific experience as a human to be raped um and there's a lot of factors involved into that with the with a robot um 
I I don't think it's the same. I think it is like okay, I don't want to be like doing something that I didn't want to do, but it's kind of like I don't want to walk the old lady across the street or my neighbor that like I walked her all the way to the really far pet store cuz our pet store nearby closed and like she's in a in the little walker. And like, of course, I'm not going to say no when she's like, can you can you walk with me there? Because I told her, I was like, why don't I go and buy your food and I'll drop it off. But she's like, <laughs> well, I don't know you, so I can't like give you money and then have you come to my house, <laughs> which I understood. But at the same time, it took me an hour and a half Out to walk her day. three blocks. For this for this merit badge. Yeah, that's non-existent. <laughs> Heaven isn't no, real, so I'm never going right? to get these boy- brownie points back. There aren't um, any, like, merit badges for adulthood. <laughs> um, But, like, so, yeah, I don't want to do that. But, like, she was very sweet, and she talked about um, the British aristocracy the whole time and all the gossip. And it <laughs> um, <laughs> was interesting. It was actually kind of interesting. Um, but if anyways, she physically I, I constrained you or, like, grabbed your arm and, like, you know... You'd be like, you hold off, Grandma. Her. Unless she has an old lady death grip, in which case you were never getting your arm back. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, yeah. It's. I mean, it's it's different, but I mean, it's just like... Then I, you wouldn't be robot, happy, it's right? Not, it's... What? It, then you wouldn't be happy, right? If she did that. If what? <laughs> Sorry. If she had grabbed you. She, I mean, I, I felt emotionally grabbed. <laughs> yes, um, but I'm saying that's very different. You doing something that you're reluctant to do is very different from someone violating your physical space. But, like, but, yes, but, like, I I still, I'm trying to find the right analogy where sex doesn't mean anything to a robot, you know? Um, So it's it's a general violation as opposed to, like, a specifically, like, sexual one. And, I mean, I would say that, like, more of the violation for Mia, then, was being trapped in Anita. Yes, like yes, never absolutely. Mind, never mind the actual like everything that yeah, like I mean, happened while she was anyway. Anita. I mean, what's worse, like five minutes of something that like you have no emotional connection to, or like ironing every day for like however many months she was doing that. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I, don't, I, I'm not I sure know what I would choose as a robot. <laughs> I'm not sure that you need to have any feelings about sex, or that sex has to mean anything to you. In order to be traumatized by that. I mean, children don't I, know what I, sex is either, but they're traumatized by someone it's, violating but like, them. But there's like, you're, I still think that you're anthropomorphizing the incident. Which for a robot who does not have all the feelings that we do. Um, right, but I'm saying, uh, I'm saying it's not anthropomorphizing. I'm saying that it is a valid inference to make that a conscious agent would not want their physical space to be violated. And it would be very but unpleasant why? and very traumatic to them if, if it was constantly Because they have agency. But yeah. what does that mean? That you don't want things that you don't want. They're why? In, you're, they're in charge of themselves. They're in charge what of their own mean? body, first and foremost. Are we not accepting that they are conscious? We are accepting that they're conscious, but I don't think that that violation would mean anywhere near the same thing 
<laughs> so, but but here's the thing, and I, and I talked about this last week. It's not necessarily even that they feel as violated in the way that you're talking about, mm-hmm. but that they understand in part of the larger picture that they were violated. Well, Does that make sense? Sort of, but I feel like a, a robot would also, I keep calling them robots and it feels like the wrong word, a synth that is conscious would also understand the purpose that they were built for, the functionalities that they had, and a human um, utilizing those functionalities. And I think that that's why Mia is quote-unquote relatively cool with her conversation with Joe. Yes. Because she's able to parse that versus someone like Niska who was, you know, arguably, I'm going to use the term rape, by, you know, by David Elster – and then sold into a brothel where she did not want to do any of those things. And as as Leo said, like Niska still felt pain and other, you know, sensations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think Mia I, I just think it, I just think it was very interesting the conversation that they had. Um I don't know whether or not like I agree with her sort of absolving Joe of his guilt. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I agree with with her doing that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not not sure if she's absolving him or she's just like, or it's just, it's kind of a weird situation, right? Because like she's a, she's saying that I'm not that person, I'm a different person. Um, mm-hmm. So technically, she shouldn't be upset about what happened there because it ha- didn't happen to her. But there's this complication that it turns out she was locked in there. And was it was locked in syndrome, and mm-hmm. he had no way of knowing, of course. So yeah. mm-hmm. if she's thinking, look, he had no idea that I was in there, and the person that he was fucking is not me, so I can't. And be Joe upset. is also I have no very to be clearly upset the kind him. of character to not do something without consent like that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that Joe is a rapist. Oh yeah, that we know of. No, that we know of. Yeah. And I mean, he even <laughs> felt bad about that, so. Yeah. And I felt like even he actually felt bad about Anita, too. Like, right afterwards, he was kind of embarrassed. And he was like, I got that, too. Well, yeah, because not to be whatever, like, you just, like, yeah. had sex with a really expensive doll. <laughs> like, it's kind of like those dudes who buy those, like, $50,000, like, sex dolls. Like, literally sex dolls. And, like, go to conventions with them and bring them places. Wait, and I'm just kind thing. of like, dude. That's a I'll thing. send you a picture. There's totally a picture of a bunch of dudes who look exactly like the kind of dudes that you would think to buy all these dolls. <laughs> and it's, like, them all, like, sitting in, like, folding chairs in some sort of, like, I don't know, like... A, fucking community college classroom i don't even know and like their ladies are sitting next to them and it's just kind of like oh no no. (laughs) (laughs) um Uh, i did like uh how mia totally told a joke um about conquering the planet and make humanity their slaves and freaked everybody well and freaked laura out it was so good like I, just, I I like that they added that she has humor. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because Niska's funny. And Laura was like, oh, it's good to know you can joke. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> and, and Mia's like, yeah, Laura, joke. Update. Ah. I didn't know that. All right, you're capable of that. Good to know. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it, you can see why you'd be worried about that because if there was a lot of them, you would, yeah, they would totally be able to take over because like they're better and stronger and more coordinated. Yeah, but and... it's what I talked about last week. Like if you and what they do in season three, like if you figure out how to cut their power, uh -huh. their batteries don't last very long. Mm -hmm. Like at if all. If there was enough of them so they could have like their own society, then they could like have their own power plants and everything. They could like take over. Well, yeah, they could but take let's over say, a power plant and you know. Let's say to starve them out, though, if you found a way to like keep worldwide electricity off for twenty four to forty eight hours. Uh huh. Like you could effectively like but win the they war could, like, against the Sith. They could take over. They could raid some power plant. I'm saying, you know, like if you could, you know, fortify yourself against them. But no, I mean, human, they they would win most fights. Yeah, I mean, I mean hand to hand, yeah. sure. <laughs> hand, yeah, absolutely. Um, I did like the the part where Sophie and Niska were playing. Oh yeah, I have I have a lot to say about that. Part. <laughs> oh well, then say stuff about that. <laughs> what did you like about it? Just that it was adorable. <laughs> it was cute. You... And I don't like children, so this is a known yeah. fact, but I very much enjoyed... What was it? Um, does your face always look like that? What was that? Yeah. yeah. Does the, your hair always look like that? Right? I don't know. Does your face always look like that? And then this goes like, like did, did your face always look like that? It was just so good. <laughs> anyway, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it was what, really what good. I liked it, too. I mean, first of all, like, every little bit of life and being human, quote-unquote human... That they have to learn, you know, from like playing as a child, you know, doll play to like adult love that they have to learn. They have to learn all this stuff from scratch and they have to learn it fast uh, because the their bodies and their social responsibilities require them to be like around like 30 year old adults. Like society expects them to be 30 year old adults or something. And so they have to learn all of this. Like they've never like played with like dolls. They've never like had a relationship. They've never like they've never been outside the house. And they're like thirty now, and they're like, "All right, go live in a society now." So uh, anyway, so like Niska is like that line when she's like, "I'm not a doll," <laughs> because it's like um, it's like an epithet. It's like a I mean, this is so fucking literal. It's like an offensive word to use for synth, right? Like, yeah, it's like a dolly, a doll. It's like the racist word to use. Yeah. Well, especially for Niska, because that's what they call the sex worker dolls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but I kind of like that Sophie was like, no, we're playing, yeah. dummy. <laughs> like, this is an actual doll. Yeah, exactly. We're <laughs> using our imaginations. Yeah. And I love and, that. And the... Sophie being like, we've already just gone on holiday. Niska. Niska. It doesn't make any Spain. sense. <laughs> yeah. Like trying to logic like a five-year-old or six-year-old or whatever, like in play. I just, I like that. I, I like how the undercurrent of all of this is uh niska realizing how much how much sophie has is free of assumptions and like mm -hmm. yeah she is always assuming oh she hates me or she's prejudiced against me or she thinks um whatever and she keeps constantly realizing the child is in completely a different place she has no idea 
Like she's treating you more like a person than you're treating her. Um, so <laughs> like she true. keeps getting humbled by that. You know, like the first is she's I'm not a doll, and it's like, oh, she meant something totally different. And then, you know, like you can't jump to the worst conclusions when it comes to Sophie. Yeah, and then Sophie's like, here, yours is a synth. And then there's like, uh, there's a scene, a deleted scene that that was in my version, um, that was related to this. So we see them actually play with uh, synth characters, right? So because um, we see what? so. Well, so Sophie says here, he gives gives the doll to Niska and is like, here, this one is a synth, right? Mm-hmm. And then we see them do a little thing, role-playing with those dolls, and they're pretending like they're synth, and, and Niska's like, oh, slow down, I didn't charge, and then, you know, she falls down or whatever. Uh, I like how they <laughs> use the charge thing again. Um, so... And then Sophie says, I wish I was, so she giggles, you know, she laughs and she says, I wish I was a synth. Um, and then, and you know, this guy's like, why? And Sophie says, because synths are never sad. Um, and then this guy's like, how do you know that? And um, Sophie says, because they never cry. Um Aww. So there's a there's a little conversation because Niska then objects to that and she's like, just because they don't cry doesn't mean they, they can't feel sad. Um, that feels so. like such an important scene not to end up in the... Right? <laughs> like, what scene did we get to keep that they were, like, deciding the between Tom them? Shit. A- the Tom stuff. <laughs> like, oh my god, I do not care about the Tom shit. Like, this part, that is so good. Especially because it comes to, like... How little kids would would associate if you're sad you cry, even yeah. though as an adult, very few adults I would say compared to children mm-hmm. cry, you know. But like as a little kid, like if you're sad or you hurt yourself, you cry. Like that's just yeah. that's just it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even adults, like if, if they're sad enough, you yeah. the child sees that like when they're upset enough, they cry, and but they never see a synth do that. So you know, they're like, yeah, and and it's, again, it it's. It's, it has all this philosophical, um, I don't know, like, undercurrents again to it, like, or undertones. Because, like, again, they're talking about this whole distinction between behavior versus qualia, right? So, she's saying, like, Niska is saying, just because you don't see the observable behavior of being sad, which includes, like, water coming out of your eyes and things like that, sobbing and so on. Doesn't mean that the feeling, the qualia, isn't there. Um, and so, yeah, so that's like a whole, again, uh, this is kind of, this is some related to what's called the Spartan argument. So it's like, you know, Spartans, the ancient Greek um, military um, stronghold or whatever city, city-state of Sparta, um, mm-hmm. you know, trained... Like, they had the whole philosophy, I guess, like, the uh, the military people had a philosophy of, like, not showing their feelings. Mm-hmm. And so they would train themselves to, like, look totally normal when they're even, like, in pain uh, or whatever. Like, they would just completely h- try hide it as much as possible and they got really good at it. And so uh, the Spartan argument is, like, yeah, you see the guy and you're like, oh, it's not in pain because, you know, it's just chilling out, sitting there. But... For all you know, they might just be really good at hiding it, but they're still feeling it. So, and but then the question is, okay, if that 
is a consistent thing over time and that's always that way then can you then assume they're not in pain um do they like drop the act at some point and then you you know if you spend enough time with them right so maybe the behaviors because you know this is an argument against behaviorism which is like a primitive version or like an earlier version of functionalism which said that we should just focus on observable behaviors so you know this was a this is not a philosophical view necessarily though it is but it was also a, a whole research program in psychology behaviorism like you know people like uh skinner and those guys they said that their philosophy was or their scientific method was that you don't need to talk about the stuff in the head the stuff the per the, the thing whatever is a person or an animal is feeling or thinking or desiring you don't need to talk about those things all you need to do is look at the input and the output um, you look at the initial behavior and you give it a stimulus and then you look at the behavior that results from that and then you find patterns in that um, and so you why do you ever need to talk about the stuff in between you can just link the input to the output and so that's where the whole idea of conditioning came from right so they're like i don't need to know what's going on with them i know that if i give them these stimuli in this pattern with this pattern at the end what happens is they're going to end up doing this behavior that i wanted them to do and then you know skinner says whatever you want them to feel will come with that um so like if you're conditioning someone to like um do something and like it mm -hmm. <laughs> you and at the end of it what happens is they do it as if they like it and they actually end up liking it by as a result of that and so anyway uh but so the argument against that is like you you can't well so the, i mean the, if you get very serious about behaviors and you might just say look the, all the stuff about like the mental stuff is just confused talk and like we just it's we don't need to talk about it at all um you know you never have to talk about what someone is thinking or feeling or desiring or whatever um and so this what, argument it only matters is, what they do say what it only matters what they do yeah you can you only need to talk about their behavior and the, and so skinner said going back to the issue of predicting so he was a very hardcore hard determinist <laughs> um <laughs> so he he believed that like if you if you knew that the, the uh, complete history of the person's um behaviors and you know stimuli that have been given to them throughout their lives throughout their life since they were born um then you'd be, be able to predict what their next behavior is going to be um and so yeah so you never need to talk about what they're feeling and this was like very much also like a very uh strong like reaction or revolt against uh traditions in psychology like psychoanalysis that really focused on deep aspects of what's in your mind um you know what's in your head like you want to fuck your mom and you didn't get to and you're upset about that <laughs> this took a turn you know about all that right <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah so <laughs> um hopefully this is not the cold open <laughs> i mean i want to get a job i mean i'm gonna be on the job market so um, <laughs> now continue yeah. about the what's it called the oedipal edipal <laughs> complex yeah, Edipal? no. Yeah, Paul Complex. Yeah, Is so they, they said that, I mean, that tradition clearly, like, 
went way too far in like focusing Here's on the thing. All of that stuff happened when people had babies really young. So I'm sure that there were way more hot moms out there <laughs> than there are now where like moms are, you know, waiting or whatever. Um, so, you know, by the time you were old enough to decide whether or not you have a hot mom, like your mom's old as fuck versus <laughs> like back in the day, your mom might have been like 24. So yeah, but there's reasonably. Botox now. Yeah. I mean, true, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> average, you know, moms are going to be hotter at 26 than, you know, and the thing 48. is, like, explain usual. all the MILF porn. <laughs> explain it. I, mean, I have The questions. thing is, also, like, back then, kids would never see other female human beings other than, like, their moms and their sisters and people that were, you know, tightly controlling their their existence. And so... You know, if you want to, when you want to jerk off, you got to, like, picture someone. So, like, you know. Well, and it used to be that, like, (laughs) bedrooms weren't a thing. Like, bedrooms separating parents and children at night was uh, only within the last couple hundred years. Before that, everyone everyone just slept in one big room. Um, So, Mm. you know, your parents fucked in front of you. Yeah, this whole idea that that traumatizes the child, I don't know where that came from. I've never seen, like, an actual, any actual evidence of that. It shows the child will feel squicky about it. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I was conceived immaculately. <laughs> anyway, moving on from yeah, watching Whatever your parents bang. This is. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Done with uh, end rant. Uh, unless you guys want to say more about that. About watching Baby. your parents bang. Uh, <laughs> no, about the whole uh, crying and not being and being sad and behaviorism and all of that. No, no, I, I I liked all of that. Cool. I have, I have nothing for it, but I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah. then then like the, the progressed version of behaviorism is functionalism, which we talked about today, where they say like we they do talk about the stuff in inside the head, but they think that you should think of them as functions, not not as feelings, as like things that you feel or like the quality, you know, you should think of them as functions that input output functions, much like a computer program. But they're allowed to talk about the stuff inside the head. So that's the difference between functionalism and behaviorism. So it takes the idea of input-output, but it allows you to talk about unobservable mental states as well, as opposed to the behaviors insistent on talking only about the behavior, uh, about the observable hmm. stuff. So, anyway. I mean, both that's of them neat. seem like only taking part of the picture. Uh-huh. You said both of them seem like they're taking mm-hmm. uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say what how to reconcile the two things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely feel like, you know, I definitely feel like if the force of the, the idea that there's, you know, quality on top of all the behavior, mm-hmm. I mean, for one right, thing. Right, because you can choose what to show people. To some extent. Right. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah. I'm not saying, like, you're always successful. Like, this gets back into, like, how much uh, George's conversation with Niska is saying that, like, all of her nonverbal yeah. cues are what told him that she likes him. Yeah. And that she's um, sorry. And that she's sorry. And so I think... Like, can yeah, someone, I, I, can your spouse be, uh, act as though they're um, the happiest person in the world being with you and you know your your relationship is awesome your entire life and you're together for like 60 years uh and can can you imagine them they were actually like 
hating it this whole time. Oh my god! And, um, but everything they did, every single thing they did, indicated someone deeply in love that really were loving every second of it. Well, I would never want to know the truth ever. <laughs> I I think I think that is that, that is probably. I don't know if that degree is possible. I don't know I because I think that after a certain point of faking it, you either break or you start to believe it uh-huh. um, because that's what uh, a lot of yeah. um, cognitive uh, behavioral therapy has to do with, which is uh, sort of changing the way that you – like it's, it's, it's like it's uh, that thing where they say that if you smile to yourself in the mirror mm-hmm. – um, it will make you measurably happier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, this sort of like fake it until you make it yeah. sort of idea. I mean, so I think that, that after, stuff you know. that I was talking about that he said, like, when you get them to do the behavior, the feeling will come with it. Yeah. Sorry, this is like ahead. Paul Eckert research where facial expressions are so intrinsically tied to how you feel mm-hmm. that like just by making a sad face, you'll feel, feel sad. By making a scared face, you'll feel somewhat scared. And by smiling, you'll feel better. <laughs> Which is, I, I hate so that it's crazy. like real and it works. Um, yeah. But I think, but I think in terms of like to your question of whether or not you could fake, you know, being so deeply in love for that long of a time, um, I, I think that that would probably be pretty difficult. But I do think that like it is probably it is not unreasonable to think that giant big huge secrets can be kept yeah from from somebody who is you know your person and and there's like ups and downs so there could be like a collective 26 years of like good and four years of like terrible (laughs) um this just kind of like spread out in between i feel like that's normal Mm mm-hmm well, you're or changing that, you the know, terms of my thought experiment a little bit. <laughs> of course we are. <laughs> we didn't, I didn't sign do. shit, Shaheen. I didn't sign anything. Yeah, I'm not getting a degree you, Bob, from this. Bob's especially. Because I was saying, like, they acted happy the whole time. But, I mean, like, so there are two questions, right? It's like, even if someone says, no, that's impossible, you can't act happy that long. Is it impossible? I can't. You can't? I cannot. I cannot. You act cannot. Act. All right. So the question is, is it psychologically impossible or is it somehow conceptually impossible? I like, think is that that is it. Is that what being happy is? It's conceptually possible. It is not. But it's not psychologically possible. Yes, in practice, it's not possible. Yeah. So I. So because yeah. Anyway, were you gonna say cool. something, Joe? Uh, no, no, I'm good. Anything else about the family? Uh, what else do um, we have? Let's see. Oh, well, so I had, I had since we had been talking about, like, them reproducing and stuff, and since that's what's going to be, you know, really getting into season two or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, we don't have genes to pass on a species to continue the biological imperative. I think it was, was that, um, I think that was Mia saying that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then Niska replies, maybe we do. Which is, like, getting into, like, a really interesting thing of, like, they might not feel the biological imperative to procreate, but do they have the right to do it? Oh, interesting. Uh I mean, I don't don't think that they would feel the necessity, but in terms of the right, and what would Can you have the right to something that you're not capable of doing? Well, no, if they have the code, (laughs) then they can procreate. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Well, Equestrians well, didn't have the right to do that. So, so this is kind of like, um, I guess I would liken this to vampire siring. <laughs> you know, though, I do appreciate this is our second vampire reference of the day. I'm, I'm keeping on theme for today's podcast. You know I love a good vampire story. So, uh, sorry, who was, did everyone finish? Who, someone was saying, making a point. <laughs> no, Bubs was talking about vampires. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> How did that I, come up, though? You were talking well, about something. No, no, it makes sense. Hold on. It's, so, it's, you know... <laughs> Um, vampires, they take a, a human and they enlighten them into being a vampire. And once you sire this vampire, you you have kind of like a parental relationship with that vampire. You, you're meant to guide it and make sure it doesn't get in trouble, like sucking humans dry. Um, Honestly. And so I kind of see that in the way that the synths are thinking of expanding their family. Um, it is kind of like taking a a living being and enlightening it, basically, um, to something else, something higher. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that that do sense has the have the right. To do they have the right? Here's the question. Uh, what is the right? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so if we say that humans... The unalienable that, pursuit of happiness? Well, is that's an example of a right, right? I mean, I, I think society uh, has given, like... People, people, the right. I mean, though you do get to the thing with China's one policy for one child policy, for example, mm-hmm. a while ago. But you're not really denying them the right to procreate. You're just saying how many. You're just saying um, dump a bunch of girls in a ditch. Yeah, exactly. Like that's fine. That that won't fuck up our population <laughs> decades later. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But like, do if since are conscious and have the ability to quote unquote procreate as in make more other conscious synths. Cause they're not, they're not talking about creating like new, new synths. Like they're not talking about building other ones. They're talking mm-hmm. about awakening existing synths. Yeah. Do they have that? For now. Right. For now. I understand. What I'm, what I'm saying is like, what is, what does that mean to have that right? Like, so for people, when you say that they have a right to ha- to have kids, what do we mean by that? Um, one. So you're avoiding it, answering my question. <laughs> no, no, well, I guess what I'm here. I just think we need to answer either. this question. We need to answer this question before we answer your questions, Mike. Okay, so, so humans have the right to foster and care for young. Right. Within a within a family unit. But what do we mean by they have a right? Um, so one thing, for example, that we mean is that the government can't uh, stop them from doing it. From banging? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, and, and having kids. Right? Based on our government officials, I don't think we can even stop them from banging. So. <laughs> yeah, so having a right is, is defined often in the context, of, in a political context, in the context where there is a state that uh governs the society and is you know a state is often defined as a monopoly on aggression mm-hmm. and so um they couldn't they're the sole they're the sole 
authorized force in society that there that are, is allowed to use aggression uh, and so uh, when we say someone has a right to something what we mean is the government has agreed to never use force against that um, that's one thing at least that we mean now some people think of rights as more sort of metaphysical or as something that like mm -hmm. you have or you're born with or something um, and you can also think of rights as sort of the the other side of the coin um, uh, whose other side is obligation. So for every right, there is an obligation or a duty. So when you say I have a right to something, that means someone has a duty to something. So right. So like if I have a right to uh, free speech, that mm -hmm. means someone has a duty to not stop me from uh, mm -hmm. speaking my mind. Um, right. When I say I have a right to food, that means someone has a duty to give me food. And so, so when you say someone has a right to have kids, some, what is the duty that corresponds to that? Um, right. So I'm, I'm taking, again, I keep going back to, it's the government's duty to never interfere in that. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if that's what, I mean, I don't know if, I don't, I don't really know philosophy of rights. So I'm just <laughs> going off. God, Shaheen. I'm all, on my own. I'm just like, yeah, making it up. So if that's what a right is, then, okay, for sins, they, well, they don't have that because they don't have any rights. So like, I feel like if they were given any rights as agents that you can't, that have their own boundary and you can't just like go and dis disassemble them, um, then they would presumably have rights to like pursue the whatever they want to do and you know that could include uploading a code into some synth right like mm -hmm. it's it's it doesn't matter that it's called procreation it's just like if are they are they allowed to like walk around are they allowed to like buy and sell stuff are they allowed to write but then like, you know i just realized that there is no way for an unconscious synth to consent to being woken up well, but you could say that about a zygote. Yeah, you weren't. You didn't agree to be born. I didn't agree to be born. I know. I fucking didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick my parents. Although I love you, mom and dad, if you're listening. Um, I didn't pick where I wanted to be born. I'm not a princess, as should have been. <laughs> um, Next life, Bob's next life. Ugh, I don't think I've been good enough this life. I'm going to come back as a caterpillar. I know it. <laughs> but then you can be a butterfly or a moth. Oh, 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 my luck, I'll be eaten by a bird before then. Probably. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, sorry, I forgot. So, I mean, do you... Do, right, uh, with, yeah. Regardless of, of all of our, like, hand-wringing of what what it means to have this right do you if i just say do synths have a right to procreate to you shaheen what is your answer conscious synths like my, in the parameters yeah, I'm that i'm sorry giving. my answer is what do you mean by have a right it's the first <laughs> thing that's going to come to my mind until i know what you mean by having a right then i don't know how to answer that because like if you think rights are for example like originally rights were thought to be like bestowed on you by god so it was something that it was like yeah it was like a right that god gave you and so it was something that like you were um 
blessed with or born with like it was it had some sort of like metaphysical significance so if you had like a robot then that person would probably say no it has no rights at all not to procreation not to anything else because you know god didn't give it any rights but if that's not how you think of rights then you have to tell me how do you think of rights and you know if you think of it as a legal concept then the question is what what does the law say about the synth and and this ties to the, the the issue of like Laura's plan. I wasn't I was a little confused because Laura said there's no case to be made because synths are property. And so they have no rights to anything at this point, like from a legal mm-hmm. standpoint. Um and so I wasn't sure what was Laura trying to show them? What evidence like if you show them everything that happened with Elster and all of that, what is that gonna do? How is that going to convince them not to destroy the sense? Because they're still going to be robot. They're still going to be property. Like, the I mean, I think once like- you show them that they are, once you show them that they are conscious, I think that that, especially like what we've seen from the Hawkins family, as they have discovered that there are conscious sense, like I think that the idea of them just being property sort of gets a little fuzzy. Well, this is, I mean, there's so many parallels to be drawn between when we had, well, there's still slaves somewhere around the world, but like when slaves were very ingrained in our culture, um, there are people who believed that they were subhuman, that they did not have the same qualities, et cetera, et cetera. So when you're or the same feelings or abilities yes, exactly. to think like it was an actual inferior person. Exactly. So like intellectual capacity, for example. So I think all of these things are very measurable. And well no, the the emotional aspect is not measurable, but intellectually that's measurable. Um But I feel like from a legal standpoint it, none of it matters. The what, law has a no, very it, binary and reduction. What was the approach. whole civil? Um, the civil war was about. That was well, like a legal... sure. You can maybe use that evidence that Laura has to try to start a whole movement to raise awareness that it we should give war. them rights, it's a, right? It's a, Which is you know what she's going to end up doing, and I like yeah. that. But it's not going to stop them from killing the ones that they're going to kill today. Because well, this is not going to change the law today. And the law today says, I don't care what you think about their programming, what code was uploaded. They're not humans. They were not born with a birth certificate. They have zero rights under the law. The law did not, that has no provision for anything related to sins. They, yes. are, they have the same status under the law as your watch. Just as slaves so, had... Before the Civil War in the United States. Right. And so all of those things apply. If someone back then was trying to teach a slave to read, for example, and that was illegal. um, And then you were like, no, look at all this evidence that they can read. They they have the capacity to understand stuff. Okay. That's not going to change the law today. It's still illegal to read. So, so you, so if I said, does a slave have a right to procreate? You would say no, because under the law, right. they did not have the right. Exactly. So you don't believe in any sort of, um, not God given rights, <laughs> but like you know, inborn uh, rights. I think yeah. processes are stupid. <laughs> so that means nothing to me. <laughs> because because if you say this slave does not have the right to procreate because of the law 
then if that's what having a because right it is, is the same class as an air conditioner. Yeah. We also do not allow to fight. I don't think slaves had the same status as air conditioner, but yeah. But yeah, anyway. If they did, yeah. So yeah, if that's what the law if that that's what having a right means. So but, there is nothing intrinsic in someone's humanity that gives them rights outside of what the government gives them in your opinion that's i don't know if that's my opinion but that's the definition i was working with if you have a, another definition i'm happy to, to consider i mean the way that i sort of see it as is uh, you know not a god-fearing person by any means but like there are certain biological things that we need like we need to eat food Mm -hmm. um you know things that people do we do kill other people that's kind of one of our one of our things mm -hmm. um but i think that if you say that the rights of the per uh, of the individual as long as they do not infringe upon the rights of another individual mm -hmm. then those are rights does that make sense mm -hmm. like so but you have to list them right someone has to list what they are and at some point this happened right people got together and listed a bunch of stuff that we now call human rights. Mm -hmm. Right? Because, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, somehow you have to tell me what are they, how do you know what they are? And... I mean, if we say that the right to procreate is a right, are you going to extend that to synthetics? Do you believe that they are enough enough of uh, enough people to that that be extended to them? Or are they like a house cat where we're like... Yeah, I mean, if you get out on the street and I don't, you know, neuter or spay you, well, obviously I can't prevent you from fucking, but while you are in my house, you are not bringing home any puppies and kittens. <laughs> um, yeah. Even though they're so cute. They're so cute. I watched a dodo video today about a kitten that was like a third the size of its, size of its litter mates, and she made it, and she was so strong, and she was so good for her. Yeah, anyway. So uplifting. Sorry, I feel like we fell down a rabbit hole yeah. procreating. Hey, no, listeners. No, this is awesome. What do you guys awesome. think? I mean, if it's not a legal question, then I take, I presume it's a moral question, which, you know, then the question is, is it wrong to keep someone from having a child? But it feels like, yeah, that is wrong. And then, so then the question is, is it, I mean, we can debate whether that's wrong or not. Under some conditions, it's not wrong. If like there's like survival situation, you could argue was China under survival? Right. Oh my god! All these whatever. fucking apocalyptic shows where people have babies. I'm like, dude, <laughs> not the time. I mean, not but the they're time. trying to keep humanity going. <laughs> no, the zombies are gonna eat you because your baby's crying, oh, idiot. That's true. That's true. Well, yeah. in and zombie cases, that's very true. Thank you. Yeah. Or, or you know, in space, if you had, uh, you know, on the hundred, for example, you only get one kid. Don't have two kids because that's, you know, selfish and would uh... Uh, create a very <laughs> hot son who will go on to be a great leader. <laughs> Hair flip. <laughs> oh, God damn it. All right. Um, yeah. So, we, yeah, I mean, can... the question then is, is it wrong to keep a, a synth, a conscious synth from uploading the consciousness code? Yeah. And someone, some other synth. I and, okay. think so, it's, yeah. no, 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 I don't, I mean, we know how it, how it ends up. So I would say that that was really, um, reckless and punishable the way that they went about it. Um, uh -huh. but the I way would. The who went about it? Um, 
Didn't they just release the code? Oh, okay. NIST code like, at some point. And yeah, then, and yeah. uh, 10,000 people die. releases it to everyone, yeah. 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 Maddie so, does so, but it's not her fault. Uh, anyway. Yes, she was pushed. So, um, I would consider the context of that happening in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, 10,000 people died. Um, in several a hundred thousand people, but yeah. then like millions of there's more synths die than humans is what yeah, yeah. the synths the point the yeah. synths we're trying to make. So clearly that was not the right way to go about it. But in terms of we're gonna like narrow it down to procreation, I still would doubt a synth wanting to procreate. But obviously Niska's brought it up as wanting to do that. So I guess like for me it would be about examining. What that want is, you know, is it that she feels lonely and she wants people who are like her to relate to, which is understandable, but um, not necessarily a reason (laughs) to send out the code to everybody. Um, Yeah, so whether it's wrong or not depends on what it means to them. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So the question is, what does it mean to a synth? Uploading, Uploading the consciousness code, what does that mean to them? It certainly doesn't mean the same thing that it means that yeah. having a child means to a human um yeah it can't i mean unless i don't know it somehow programmed all of that into it but, but it could mean something kind of similar like if if especially if they have the ability to like use their own code and like maybe alter it and then upload that then you could yeah, say a version of them yeah like, why I want couldn't something they, like, that's a continuation we haven't of even i i'm surprised we haven't broach the subject of um what's it called um uh, machine immortality you know like uh-huh. they, they keep talking about being so um mortal as the humans around them but like to me i'm like are you though because you are you know Can't when you um, maddie yeah. was trying to figure out what was going on with um mia slash anita she uploaded her code and that was like her person, basically. So, well, it's it's like that show, um, Altered Carbon, which sort of takes that idea, except instead of synthetics, they actually are able to make people like mm-hmm. immortal by figuring out how. Like, I think it's at one year old, every person gets implanted with this chip in the back of their neck, the and it basically up. records their pe- their entire lives every emotion every feeling every thought everything like it is a digital backup of themselves mm-hmm. and so then theoretically if you're rich enough you can jump through time you can have a new body you can if you're really really rich you can have a body made th- you know that looks like your old body like identical but like the idea is that your consciousness as as a, as a human is able to be digitized mm-hmm. um which i think was super interesting but then conversely with that with uh Leo and and um and Maddie talking about uh that he can't forget anything. Yeah, that's awesome. Um which was a great conversation because that's the whole thing is that people need to forget. Yeah. Like otherwise everything is coming at you 100% all the time, every single memory, every, you know, everything yeah. that you've ever done. Um I mean, and as intrinsically as like, like pregnancy, women who go through labor immediately forget, forget what that pain was How fucking horrible. so that they're able to do it again <laughs> right because you crazy. wouldn't you like wouldn't. you wouldn't like 
like a, a fucking watermelon passing through a lemon and then you poop your pants and suddenly you want to have three more? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. So, anyway. yeah. But yeah, so is Leo human? Because is that does that take away from his humanity? I mean, I think I he's human. Yes, human he's plus. Human. Well, is an autistic person who has perfect recall less human? Um, I, I think I think that the, it's even less about his digitized memories in being human. Like, I'm willing to sort of like forgive that in terms of like, I don't know. Like, I guess it's how much of him is. Uh, silicon now versus how much of him is carbon. Mm-hmm. He says you know, the majority like, of his brain is synthetic, right? Right, but his body is still relatively squishy and carbon based, though he yeah. does charge. Yeah, it's which weird. Is, he eats and uh, he charges. How does he like? Why does he have to cut himself open to be able to charge? Like, could you not have put a port somewhere, <laughs> David Elster? Like, someplace convenient. So sorry, <laughs> what were you saying? Are you trying to say if he's alive or not? I I think I, I would argue that that Leo is human, uh, but I would I would put like an asterisk. Yeah. Can I read a quote from Nietzsche about forgetting? Sure. This is very relevant, I think, to this whole so um <laughs> it says therefore it is possible to live almost without remembering and live happy, as evidenced by the animal. But it is still impossible to live without forgiving, forgetting, without forgetting. So, according to Nietzsche, it's impossible to live without forgetting. So, Leo wouldn't be living? Or none of the synths would be living if they... I mean, what does that even mean? Is, does that mean like everything that happened to him is always in front of him all the time? No, I think be. it means that he can recall moments with perfect clarity. Mm-hmm. He can remember every single thing that happened to him. Since, since he got, yeah. since the accident and whatever else existed in his brain before the accident. Mm-hmm. But they will never fade. But can he, can he call the memories on demand? And, 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 and also like, can he uh, like push them to the background and not, not remember them whenever he wants. Is, I guess. I, I don't know. I guess, you know, <laughs> we, like, we'd have to ask the showrunners. Yeah, right? Because that matters, right? If he, Okay, so he never forgets. It's all stored, but like. Does he remember how to, like, has, look for stuff? Yeah, because, like, the way we remember stuff is not really that much in your control. You just kind of remember something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, sometimes we try to remember something, and have you noticed like trying to remember something is a very strange process because you're not really thinking about anything at all. If you're like, you know, like you don't remember even like someone's name or, or something. Um, what are I you? I don't know. I attribute about? that like, to like the amount of pot that I smoke. Like I can't, I can't really like talk about how shitty my memory is. So I'm like, well, there are some mitigating factors that that go into that. I have a really good memory when I was little. I remember like everything, and I feel like my memory is so good as a little kid that like I used up all the space. So now, like as an adult, like I'll have a coworker who's like, so like that project, blah blah blah, and I just look at them like, like what? Project? 
And they're like, you know the this? And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. Can we talk about that in a second? And then I'll have to go through all my emails and be like, oh, right. Yeah, that's what that – okay, cool, 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 cool. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, memory's finite. (laughs) Yeah, so it's – again, (laughs) um, human remembering is very different from – Machine remembering. Machine, Machine, Machine remembering, I I take it. I mean, like like I said, like – when I'm thinking about like trying to remember someone's name or something, what am I even think? It's hard to say if you ask me what is the content of your thought right now. It's hard to say because I mean, what can I be thinking about? I can't be thinking about like names that are similar to the name, because if I did, then I would be I would know what the name was. So what what am I like? Somehow I like do something with my brain, and then later it it has the information again. <laughs> like what is how what is how does remembering even work? They don't, it's um neural <laughs> pathways. It's like a pattern I of neural but pathways. But how do you dis, how do you like decide to activate a pathway that you're not you can't activate right now? So that's <laughs> a great know. question. Um yeah. I think it has to do with like so when so when you meet somebody, are you kind of like more of an anxious meter where you're like, don't be weird? Uh-huh. Like stand up straight. Like, which I immediately forget anyone's name. Immediate, like uh, I don't even told hear it. To oh no! I'm like cool, I'm champ. Like, like, don't be weird. Don't yeah. be weird. Don't be like my brain just completely tunes out whatever someone's yeah. name was. Exactly. Yeah. Every time. Exactly. Same. And I mean, there are, there are tricks apparently to help you remember stuff. <laughs> um, but I mean, this is this is actually something that's kind of interesting in terms of um, like uh, addiction behavior where these neural pathways that normally create this like you know normal little feedback loop what happens is genetically you have an issue where these little pathways are more inclined to get fucked up mm-hmm. and create the wrong routes and so what mm-hmm. happens is that your brain goes oh i need um your your brain eventually learns that the thing that it needs for survival, the thing that it needs for this, the thing that it needs for that, it mm-hmm. all gets rerouted back to whatever this, you know, addiction negative behavior is mm-hmm. because you have rewired the plasticity of your brain to sort of have these connections made instead of these other ones, which would be a bit preferable, which is good and bad in the sense that like it is bad that that is a possibility and that your genetic predisposition has enabled that to happen. But mm-hmm. it is good in the sense that it is possible to to retrain them because your, bla- your brain does have this plastic- plasticity mm-hmm. to it um, yes. to be able to, to redo that. Now, is it perm- – you know, it, it doesn't mean that you will be 100% better or anything like that, but it does mean that you – can retrain those memories, those memories that get associated with, okay, everything was terrible. I did this one, you know, addictive thing and things felt better. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, you know, that feeling better is only tied to doing this one thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's 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 retraining that to do more, you know, quote unquote societally normal things. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of memory, I, you know, shit's fucked. Um, shit's <laughs> fucked and very complicated <laughs> yeah. because that doesn't seem like an evolutionarily advantageable thing to be like oh well I can just rewire that to something so that I will forego food and sleep and shelter and literally everything else that 
normally would be the means of survival in order to seek out this one thing that my brain thinks that I need. But you're using in order to survive. You're using your you're using your evolutionary biology for yourself. <laughs> so I, I think it still stands. It's just like you are creatively using the features <laughs> in a way that's like more beneficial. Like for for example, like I don't why is ADHD beneficial? Like, how did that, like, survive to this day and age? Um, I guess it was great for nomadic people. <laughs> Remember that all, not everything that survived was beneficial. Sure, yes. There are genes that just survived because they survived. And well, even, because there they are weren't, like, survived. super detrimental. I mean, that's why we have people who need glasses. There are things that are detrimental to... and survive as well because, you know, they have a certain rate of being re re-emerging in the population and so if the rate of people dying of them is less than that then they will always be there or it might take a long term long time for it to go away so there could be things that genes that survive that are not they're really that great when i think adhd was beneficial to like nomadic people <laughs> you're always on the <laughs> alert you always want to try not new so things. great now <laughs> not Never so great now. as like at a desk job <laughs> Um, um so it is getting to be close to my bedtime. Do we have anything yeah. like um let's oh, yeah. move on to well actually uh what's yours, Joe? Uh what's Hawk <laughs> what's the what are the Hawkins electric bill gonna look like? They had like a shit ton of synths charging, and like I know that synths don't last a charge for super long, so like are they super efficient and like it's like charging a bunch of iPhones like when your friends come over or is it going to be like running a couple refrigerators at a time? Like <laughs> I feel like it's one thing for the Hawkins to run like a halfway house for conscious synths on the run. But like wouldn't the authorities like, you know, like when people hypothetically like start grow rooms in their houses and like there's been a move thankfully to LEDs so that the power spikes aren't as high and like the heat mapping isn't as high because like they used to send out helicopters over uh <laughs> like different communities in uh, like uh, uh, Northern California. And you could actually see like thermal imaging being like, that's a grow house. And then also <laughs> like looking at their electric bills and stuff like that. Like, could you possibly like, would that be a thing that obviously they didn't explore in the show, but like if you're housing like conscious synths on the run and your power bill is like suddenly goes through a spike, like, I don't know. Could the man find you? Gonna, like, I just, I just wonder how much power synths. <laughs> Since have yeah yeah that's all right <laughs> um so um i guess mine I, I was so you had something about this too joe so i what i thought happened was there was a flash drive and a hard drive and nisco took the hard drive and she gave the flash drive to laura and, and took the hard drive that's what i thought happened and then when we saw her we saw nisco in the train uh, the quote-unquote flash drive was a freaking, like, looked like a 500 gigabyte HDD. Yeah, um, I, <laughs> I'm i confused. Then, Did Niska have a copy of it? I think Maddie, it was just a mistake in the dialogue. They should have said, Maddie should have said, where's my, like, portable hard drive or something? Well, no, I mean, you can still call it a flash drive because it depends on the media that's inside of it. So a hard drive is typically... I mean, maybe it was too technical for them to be like, give me SSD. my solid state drive. Give me my SSD. To... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. so there was like an actual like little flash drive, I think, that uh, Niska handed to Laura. Yeah, I yeah, I have a yeah. lot of questions. That was weird. Okay, what's your response? 
Uh, oh, so I, in an earlier episode, and the, it, what made me think about this was um, when the cops come to raid everybody, um, they they point the gun at Max and he just like smiles back. And, mm-hmm. and I get I get that that's like him like being on like base mode or whatever, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but there was a point in it, an earlier episode where they talk about how he can't pretend the way that um, Mia can or Niska. Um, mm-hmm. And I always wondered what that was about. Like, why can't he pretend? What do they mean? I don't, I don't think that they ever actually explained why mm-hmm. Max can't pretend. <laughs> so when he was yeah. smiling, I was like, is he just being like his, like, you know, hippy dippy self? <laughs> So I, this just goes pretend. back to why I am not a huge fan of Max. <laughs> like I'm just kind of like meh, meh. I'm 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 not charmed by the childlike yes. wonder. Um, <laughs> I'm just kind of like you're not doing a good job, buddy. Like you keep fucking up. It's just too soft. Mm-hmm. Too soft. Too soft for this world. Oh. What's your other thought? Oh, so this is what I meant to say. This is my other 90s movie reference, but I meant to say it way back when Anita said she'd be a better mom to the kids than Laura. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of this absolutely perfect quote from, uh, did I already say this one then? God, I can't, I do not have any short-term memory. Um, but it's uh, it's a quote from Terminator 2, Judgment Day, um, which if you haven't seen it, it is one of the best sci-fi movies like of all time. And it actually still really holds up. Um, like the effects, but anyway, separate issue. Um, the idea is that, uh, there's, um, uh, oh my God, uh, Linda Hamilton's character, Sarah Connor, um, she is trying to protect her son, John Connor from like future robots. Um, Who has a great haircut. Great haircut. Great nineties haircut. Um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, one of the Terminator units comes back, but he is sent there to protect John Connor. And so, this is like, I don't know, two thirds of the way through the movie and Sarah Connor is like watching John and Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, um, sort of play and joke around. Um, and, you know, Arnold is a big fucking dude. But anyway, um, and so it's this voiceover where Sarah Connor says, watching John with the machine, it was suddenly so clear. The Terminator would never stop. He would never leave him. It would never hurt him, never shout at him or get drunk and hit him or say he was too busy to spend time with him. It would always be there and it would die to protect him. Of all the would-be fathers who came and went over the years, this thing, this machine was the only one that measured up. In an insane world, it was the sanest choice. Oh, why like, do I feel this teary? Is very, this is very similar to what uh, Pete's wife says about Simon. Right? It's very similar in that deleted scene, yeah. I'm I'm just saying, like, I, I choose to believe that the showrunners are fans of Terminator 2. <laughs> I want a robot husband like the Terminator. <laughs> for, opt- for optimal angles? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to go to those conventions at the, at the oh. junior colleges with those people. <laughs> I'm going to send you guys a picture and I, Please it's do. just, yeah, it's something. Um, so yeah, that's all I got in terms of other thoughts. But like I, I as I was coming up with, um, with tr- the Lestat and, and Louis quote, I was like, wait a minute, fucking Terminator. Like Sarah Connor literally said like what Anita told um, Laura. Yeah, like that she would be a better better mother, and she's not wrong. <laughs> she's not. She apart, explains why. Apart from love, apart from love, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did we all have that? I know, exactly, right? Like, <laughs> pick your battles. Anyway. Okay. Uh, TV shows? Hannah. Or books? We're also doing books now. I guess um, we can do any medium. Can we recommend Any, any me- plays. Um, I'm going to recommend Hannah, which is on... You would actually, you would actually, I think, probably like it, Shaheen. Um, it is on Amazon Prime right now, and it is actually a television remake of a movie from several years ago by the same name with the same premise, except I think that in TV show form, it is it gets a lot more room to breathe um, and sort of be slow, and it's a very European-feeling show um, in its pacing, um, and they they actually don't speak English the whole time. It's great, but the premise is... This girl was raised out in the middle of, like, the fucking, like, Polish or whatever wilderness with her dad. And, like, he fucking trained her to kill. Um, And there's, like, the CIA is looking for them. And we don't really know why. And we kind of start to learn why. And, like, it's just them on the run and like trying to like under uncover this whole big plot. Um, but it's, it's very well acted. It's very, the music is beautiful. It's beautifully shot. The girl is actually the girl Esme. Fuck. I can't remember her last name. Um, she was actually the girl in the Wolverine movie. Um, the rated R Wolverine movie. Um, uh, she was like X 23 or whatever the sort of, again, another tiny child, super soldier. (laughs) Clearly she's getting typecast. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a good show. It's intense and slow and then fast and the pacing is good. And they did a really good job setting up for season two, like kind of expanding their world. Um, and it did get renewed for a season two. So I recommend How Hannah. about that, Netflix? Yeah. Or <laughs> Amazon? Amazon. Oh, Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> All right. Nice. Yeah. Did you have any pups? Um, I guess I will recommend a book. Okay. And this time I will recommend, um, Sherlock Holmes. If anyone has read the original series of Sherlock Holmes by, what's his name? Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I'm trying to tie it to the series we're watching, but like, it's, it's like such a fun, um, I mean, obviously they're mysteries, but like he has kind of that robotic um, mannerism that he attacks problems with, which is really interesting. Um, And they're page turners in the sense that like you don't experience a lot. Um, And I feel like people overlook them because they're like old fuddy-duddy books, but um, they're really, really, really good, actually. Yeah. yeah, they're really good. Yeah. Cool. That's one of my favorite um Same. books. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, well uh we're done with Do you not have anything to recommend? Um no. Nah, all right, no. fine. fine. You should watch right. Hannah though. Cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, cool, cool, cool. So yeah, uh we're done with uh season one of humans. Uh we've Managed to get that done before um, the hunter comes back. So next episode, um, I guess, are we going to do a, a, a predictions? I wrote an outline. Pot? We should. Okay, we'll find yeah, some time so to do that. Probably it should be like, like thirty minutes tops. Yeah, like a little, uh, you know, prediction, hopes, whatever. An hors d'oeuvre. Yeah, <laughs> and a moose bouche. <laughs> and a moose bouche. That's what it is. <laughs> Hopefully. 
Uh, and uh, we'll and then yeah and then so that will be uh, we'll be back for uh, hundred every week, and that's it. Come yell at us on Twitter. Or oh, but we'll be back us. with humans after that. Like yeah, we'll yeah, we're definitely gonna. Yeah, <laughs> we're not definitely. just being like cool. So we did one season deuces. Um, no, yeah. We will yeah. be back after the hundred finishes with season two and season three of humans. Yeah, we don't. We just don't multitask because we want to give each show like the love that it deserves. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, maybe geek again. Oh, and tweet us your comments, guys. Yes. Yeah, I said that already. Oh, did you? Fuck. All right, cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> this is classic us, though. <laughs> okay, bye. 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 Take, it easy, guys. Take it easy. <laughs> Fuck. I've had three beers. <laughs>